All right, we'll uh, wrap up your conversations. You can find your seats. <clears throat> As you're finding your seats, you can open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a black hardbound one somewhere around you. This morning's passage will also be on the screens. Thanks, buddy. All right, welcome to the Christmas season. For those of you that are just joining us, uh, my family and I decorated our third and final tree, at least I think, yesterday. So uh, we've been well into the Christmas season since Halloween ended. So uh, for those of you that are just joining us, hope you enjoy the season. Um, this morning we're going to start our Advent series called His Name is Jesus. And we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 60 and... Um, there, there is just something about this season in particular, um, even that, that, that song, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, that draws our hearts upward and fixes our gaze on Him. Uh, and that's really important because there's everything in the world that's looking to draw us away from Him. So I want to begin reading a portion of a book that I've been reading over this last season by a, a man named Tyler Staten. His, his book is entitled Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. He says this. I think this is a good introduction to our Advent series. He says, what were you doing on August the 21st, 2017? You probably won't remember by just thinking back to the date, so maybe you hear about an event that, take place, that took place that will help jog your memory. Uh, for everyone, it was a total solar eclipse visible from our vantage point down here on Earth to an event that the U.S. hadn't seen since 1979. It was huge news. People organized viewing parties. Some took the day off from work. Others just went about their Monday routine, ticking items off of their agenda while they, the rest of us stared at the sky. Personally, I was excited to see it, but also uninterested enough to disregard the you'll need to purchase the special glasses or you'll go blind by looking upward announcement. It was one of those New York moments that I'll remember forever. People were stopped all over the sidewalk, passing glasses back and forth. As it turned out, it didn't matter who had prepared and who hadn't. Everyone who wanted a look was getting a look. And everyone who looked was talking to one another like little kids. Sophisticated New Yorkers momentarily returning to their inner child at a science museum on a fourth grade trip. That was most of us. But it wasn't everyone. There was another group of people equally united in defiant annoyance at everyone clogging up the sidewalk at their stare at the sun. They grunted and scoffed their way through the crowd, adult children disguised in business casual, using every nonverbal means of communication imaginable to say, I'm really important and you are in my way, right? So I think that's a pretty good description of what Advent is like. We live in a world that is longing for glory and wonder, right? And then, um, but there also is this, deep pull inside of us to miss glory and to focus our time and our attention on things that seem to be more important in the moment, right? The look is there for everyone that wants to see. Advent is an invitation from God himself for us to slow down and to marvel at the good gifts that he's given us through Jesus, 
I love how some people took off work. Some people, um, through watch parties, people rearranged their lives and their schedules so they could have this monumental um, encounter with a solar eclipse. And I, I wonder, in this season, what is it that we are willing to rearrange to encounter glory? What are the things that God may be calling us to fix our eyes and our attention on? The big idea that we're going to look at this morning is Advent is God's invitation to his people to arise and shine because a new world is here. God is inviting us to marvel at his rescue plan for humanity, to marvel once again at the fact that God took on flesh that he became one of us, that he dwelt among us, that he came (laughs) to become our sin bearer and our substitute. He came to be our king who's renewing and remaking everything, beginning with every human heart that will look to him in faith. He came into the world to bring us hope. And I love it. It's just as far as the curse is found as we sang this morning. Can you imagine that just for a moment? Like, What would it be like to have a world with no sin, no toil, no family arguments around the Thanksgiving table? I don't know if that happened for you. Like my family couldn't even get together this year uh, at Thanksgiving because things were so tense, right? That, That may be the way that you enter into this space. And as we marvel, we get invited into the actual story. We're not passive participants just kind of looking at a historical event we're not just like watching the world cup as passive observers but we actually get to interact and we become part of the story so we're going to see that as we look at um isaiah chapter 60 we're going to read verses one through three i want to invite scott finnerson to come on up let's welcome him he's going to read for us isaiah 60 verses one through three Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, let's pray. Father, so much we want to see you. We don't want a a momentary glance, but we want to see you in your glory. We, We want to fully appreciate who you are and what you've done for us by sending Jesus. We want to bring glory and honor to you. We want our lives um, to both arise and shine and to demonstrate to the world um, just how good you are. So I pray that every person here would have a tangible taste of your goodness this morning, that we would be renewed in our bodies and our minds and our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know, uh, depending on your background, I don't know how familiar the celebration of Advent is, but we celebrate Advent every year, and it's a celebration of the, this huge idea that Jesus is the true king of the world, that he's come into the world. Now, Advent, uh, at its core, if you define the word, is the rule or the reign of a monarch, the 
Advent that we are most familiar with, probably for most people in the room, is that of Queen Elizabeth II. She, her advent or her reign was for 70 years or 214 days. It lasted from February the 6th, 1952 to her death on September 8th, 2022. And her lifetime represented this marker for all of the Western world of stability, of nobility, of dignity. And it's almost like, and and there were multiple points during her reign where it seemed like the world was in chaos and her very presence brought comfort to her people. How much more is the advent of the true king meant to bring us comfort and joy? Her advent was marked both by her birth and by her death. And our celebration of Advent, we celebrate the inauguration of Jesus as king through his birth. But because um, he's risen from the dead and his kingdom never ends, we're also looking forward to his return. And so the more that we appreciate who he is as the king, I mean, he's the one that brings forgiveness. He's the one that brings life. He's the one that brings hope. He's the one that brings renewal. The more that we appreciate that and that we have His kingdom that brings peace and justice and righteousness through his people. The more that we appreciate those things, we become, like the book of Revelation says, those that long for his appearing. We become those that long to see him return. And we long to see the world um, renewed and remade by him. So how do we live in the tension between those two things, between his birth and his return. That's what Advent is all about. There are real tensions that we have to take up, and there's probably no one that can help us more navigate that tension than Isaiah. If you've ever read the book of Isaiah in one sitting, God bless you, um, it is a daunting task. There are 66 separate chapters, chapters 1 through 39, um, really are a picture of darkness and gloom and despair and judgment and exile. And chapters 40 through 66 are the promise of redemption and hope and joy. And if you were going to take up something to study in the midst of Advent, chapters 40 through 66 of Isaiah is wonderful. Isaiah's audience, though, um, this isn't just a group of people that are passively waiting. They're, they're a group of people that have been caught red-handed, right? They were fully aware of their weaknesses. They were fully aware of their sin. Um, they had been exposed. They had given themselves to idolatry. They were in exile. And in many ways, they thought that their life as the people of God were over. But it's into that context that Isaiah is writing He's, he's writing to the people um, of God who were experiencing the deepest shame of their life, the moment that they felt the most exposed. Have you ever been there? Right? When there's no more hiding, there's no more pretending, failure has a way of causing us to be brutally honest with our own human condition. Failure has a way of revealing the fact that we need a Savior. Isaiah is here proclaiming that a Savior has come. Now, over the holidays, my family and I watched the new Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds movie called Spirited. Any of you seen it? Like they did, and they didn't like it because I hung out with them last night. So I'm just going to go ahead and call you out. But it's better than they think, all right? So... (laughs) 
Spirited with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. It is kind of a a twist on the Dickens classic. I'm not going to give away the whole story. But what is at the core of this story is can people really change, right? Um, In the midst of cancel culture and in the midst of a world that is always kind of clawing for people to get ahead. And when people go too far, is there ever a way of redemption? Is there ever a way that I can come back? And Will Ferrell, and he sings just about it. It's a musical. And so he sings just about as bad as you think he would. He he sings this song. And I, I love this song because it says, am I unredeemable? That's the cry of the human heart. When you are exposed, when you have failed, the question that you most normally wrestle with is, am I unredeemable? Isaiah 60 is God's answer to the cry of the human heart, am I unredeemable? Isaiah is describing the greatest rescue story that the world has ever known. But I just learned this actually this week as I was studying Isaiah and chapter 60 and 61 and not only are they a description about the Messiah, they are a message from the Messiah. These are the words of the Messiah himself. Isaiah is seeing down through the corridors of time. This is, so this, this could be Jesus' earliest recorded sermon here in the Old Testament. So there's a huge difference between um, hearing a message about Jesus and hearing a message from Jesus. So I want you to listen to these words as from the Savior himself. This is him speaking to his people caught in failure, sin, shame, and exile. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Isn't that good news? Amen. All right. So, this brings us to our first main point here this morning. Advent begins with this call to arise. Advent begins with a call to arise. There is a sharp contrast between the darkness and the gloom of sin and death and exile and the grave and this call to the people of God to arise. This is literally a call to rise up or to wake up or to come out of darkness and gloom and despair and shame and come up and come alive to the reality that a new world and a new king is here. This is a call to move away from darkness and despair and doubt and to come alive to the reality that there is a new world that's here, right? So this is a message from the past that's meant to shed light on the future, that's meant to give us hope in the present. This is more than just a pep talk, right? When Jesus speaks a command to his people, he also gives the power to make that command happen. Um, this is the same word that, that um, the people of God use when Nehemiah, he kind of comes back into the land and it's all like torn down and the gates are down and the walls are down and, and the people kind of hear this word of hope and they say, we will arise and build. It's the same word. So it's this word about this internal motivation that happens when you hear good news. This, this call to move out of doubt and despair into a life of hope. So think of this as a divine summons. 
So this is an invitation for, from Jesus for us to come alive to God's glorious future and an invitation to respond to the light that he is. Jesus is saying to his people, the time of exile and judgment are over. The time of darkness and despair, you now will become my light. Advent is about coming out of the ashes of shame and grief and despair and all of the things that want to capture your gaze in these days, right? Because it's easy to be aware of darkness and gloom, right? that, That doesn't take any faith. But the reality is he wants us to come alive to this whole new world. Now, this is an older illustration, but I think you guys can follow me on this. So how many of you have seen The Matrix? All right, cool. You're a little better than the spirited. All right. So um, this is basically the story of Neo, and he has uh, kind of this mentor that's his guide named Morpheus. And if you know the story, if you haven't seen The Matrix by now, I am going to ruin the plot. I mean, they're basically in this computer-generated world. The people are batteries, and most people are unaware of the, the darkness that's all around them. There's this false world. And Morpheus comes to Neo, and one of his famous lines, he says, you take the blue pill, pill and the story ends. You wake up in your bed, and you can believe whatever you want. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. So Neo takes the red pill and he wakes up and he sees this world of darkness and despair and gloom. He's aware of all of the brokenness that exists in the world. Listen, (laughs) the reason that dystopian literature and movies are so popular is because the world is blind to the reality of hope, right? That's how they think the world is going to go. Right? But we're just like Neo, but instead of being plugged into the matrix and waking up to this world that's full of des- despair and gloom, we're actually called to look up and to arise and to see that there is a new world that's filled with hope and life, even in the midst of death. Advent is about coming alive to the fact that heaven has invaded earth. Although darkness and gloom and despair are real, they do not have the final word on this planet and they do not have the final word over anyone that will believe in faith in Jesus. That's the good news. So what is the dominant way that you see your life and your circumstances right now? Is it full of darkness and gloom? The incarnation is this call to see and experience the world differently, to arise. Jesus is infusing our lives and our stories with resurrection power. This call to arise is moving you out of gloom and despair into life. So where do you need courage and hope right now? It's into that space that Jesus speaks the words, arise. Where do you need courage in your own story to wonder if you can really change? It's into that place that Jesus says, arise. Maybe you need hope for a trial or a circumstance that seems to go on and on. It's into that space Jesus says, arise. Jesus says to his people in the midst of Advent, arise. Come alive. There's a new world here. Not only are we called to rise, but we are also called to shine. Our next point is the message of Advent advances as we shine. 
Now, we're called to reflect the light and the glory that has dawned upon us. We're called to give away the glory that we receive. Everything that you receive in the Christian life is not just meant to have its termination point on you, but it actually is meant to be reflected and displayed and dispensed to the world. God's call to his people is to arise, to come alive to this new world, but then to take the, the matter and the reality of that new world and give it out as hope to the world as we shine. Advent is about us beholding the glory of Jesus and reflecting that glory to another. And probably this idea that the, the glory of the Lord would be seen upon us would probably be the most radical thing to these folks who are in exile. There was a moment in 586 BC when the temple of God was destroyed. This was the locust place of God's presence and his power on earth. It was absolutely destroyed. And the fact that God was saying, now you're going to get to experience my glory once again. You're going to actually get to experience. And when you think glory, um, sometimes we get confused about that word. I want you to think about his presence, like his nearness. Like, as we draw near to him, um, he draws near to us. It's the weight of his beauty. It's him manifesting himself among his people. And he's saying, as my glory breaks out upon you, my glory will shine through you. So this is this call to shine. This is the reality that 2 Corinthians chapter 4 speaks about. As we behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ will be moved from one degree of glory to another. Or as Psalm 34 says, those that look to him are radiant. There's a tangible effect as we behold glory. So that's certainly going to be affected as we worship together. I mean, there's this yeah, this is just upward call to respond to who he is and his beauty and his majesty. And every week during Advent, we're going to come back in and, you, you know, you're going to go to your 19th Christmas party of the week and you're going to come back in here and you go, oh yes, we're made for glory. Yes, we're made to shine. And, and you're going to have to refocus, right? But this is why we do Advent because we're telling our bodies and our minds and our souls which story to believe, right? It's not that, that the, the, the story that the culture is telling you is unimportant. It's just not ultimate. So we're going to recalibrate ourselves to glory each and every week that we come together. We're, we're declaring to ourselves and to the world that he's worthy of our time, that he's worthy of our attention, that he's worthy of our generosity, that he's worthy of our service. So Advent is an invitation to slow down and to marvel, to wait on him and to allow him to renew our souls. But there also is a missional component here when he says we're called to arise and to shine there's this call to give this message of hope and glory away. And maybe the best news that exists in this passage is you do not have to manufacture hope for the world. I love how Colossians 1.27 says this. It says, it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. We don't have to manufacture hope when you're around the dinner table with people that don't know Jesus because hope lives inside of you. 
right? We bring hope into every situation that we walk in. So the, you don't have to ask yourself, how do I bring hope? But you're, you're really asking yourself, how can I express the hope that I already possess? And there is a, a sense of missional certainty that exists in this passage, Right? So we're always praying for God to open doors, and we're going to continue to do that into the new year. But there's this idea that we are made to shine. There's something about this sense that God's glory is breaking out among his people, and the world is going to be drawn to that. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So this means that the rulers of the earth are actually going to be drawn to God's people. Um, Ray Ortland says this. He says, right now, and he's commenting on these verses in, in, in particular, he says, right now our tragic world is suffocating under thick darkness of evil and unbelief. But God will arise and his glory will be seen. Where? Isaiah says to us, his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light. The world will be brightened by the glory of God in the church. When God makes his presence manifest among us and we disregard, discard all religiosity as so much garbage compared with his surpassing worth, worldly people sense the change and are drawn willingly to God among us. God's glory alone is what makes us compelling. Isaiah can see masses of people from all over the world migrating into the church, the whole world, on pilgrimage to honor the church. So whether you know it or not, right, whether you (laughs) arrived here, you possess Christ in you, the hope of glory. Nations will be drawn to the glory of God that exists inside of the church. So we have every reason to gather with faith and expectation during Advent. Light is always the brightest in the midst of the darkness, right? That is one of the major themes of Advent. The light has come. His glory will be seen upon you. Now, I've been hanging out with the students this past semester, and uh, it's been a joy to watch not only their spiritual progress, but how they try to build relationships and have fun with one another. And one of the activities that they do in student ministry is they play sardines. So who's played sardines besides all the youth people? All right. So sardines, we turn out all the lights in the church, and it's completely dark every single place that you are. Right, And on a Wednesday night, you can't see anything. And there'll be one person that'll hide, and everybody will come to try to find that person. Um, Sometimes they hide extremely well, and there's no cell phone usage or anything like that. But on the rare occasion that someone is unable to be found, we let them pull out their cell phones. And I'll tell you what, the, the light in the midst of the darkness makes a huge difference when everything around you is dark. Um... That's kind of what it's like to go on mission with Jesus during Advent. There is darkness all all around us, but what you're unaware of is that there is a light and a hope that is in you, and we have an opportunity to bear witness to him. So just want to close with this, and I want to just do a little bit of business kind of in our hearts. How do we shine? We shine by giving away what we receive. Right? So Advent is about both receiving and giving away. 
Jeremy Treat, in his book, Seek First, he's talking about the church being an instrument in the kingdom of God. And he says this. He says, we are loved to love. So he's not just talking about sentimentality. He's talking about the agape love of God that we've received in Jesus. So Advent is about receiving that love, finding ways to treasure that love. Um, As Jude says, to keep yourself in the love of God. So Advent is about that, but we're loved so that we can love, so that we can give away supernatural love. We're forgiven to forgive. So I don't know if your house was anything like mine, but there was a lot of forgiveness that was needed um, over the holidays because people were not in their normal rhythms and um, people were getting on each other's nerves and they were fighting with one another. So, but the way to forgive supernaturally is to receive forgiveness for yourself. The forgiveness that we have, we give away. Reconciled to reconcile. We've been reconciled to God. There is now peace with God and man because of Jesus. Because there's a mediator. There's somebody that's gone between. Now we can step into broken spaces and we can be reconcilers. Right? We want to use wisdom there. But I mean, the reality is that is why we've received the gift of reconciliation. And 2 Corinthians 5 talks about us being ministers or ambassadors of reconciliation. We've been blessed the Genesis 12 blessing from Abraham. We've been blessed so that we can bless. That's what the Christmas shop is about. That's what giving away our spiritual inheritance is about. We've been set free from sin, death, hell, and the grave so that we can see other people set free. We've been restored so that we can restore. We're renewed to renew. Every single thing that we have received, we want to give away. So what I want to do now is we're going to just spend some time quieting our hearts, taking inventory of this next season, the fact that this new world is here, that we have opportunities to shine, and we're just going to let God speak to us where he actually wants to shine in our lives. So everybody can bow your head. I want you just to take a moment to listen. Where are there right now, currently, in your life, opportunities to love? To give away the love that you've received? Have you grown familiar with his love? Do you need to be renewed and restored by his love? It's these moments now where he wants to pour out his love in your heart through the Holy Spirit so that you can supernaturally love those around you. How about forgiveness? Is there a broken relationship that he's calling you to extend forgiveness in is there something that's closed off in you that's keeping you from shining the 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 glory that you've received how might he call you in these moments to pour out the forgiveness that you've received
How about the freedom that you have? Do you feel bound by anything? The King has come to set you free. There's power in His name to break off sin and discouragement and despair and captivity and bring freedom. But He also wants to use you to bring freedom to others. Who around you is bound, whether it's to materialism or to a poverty mindset? Who around you is bound by the thoughts that they have about themselves or they have about God? God has made us to be those that proclaim good news and see people set free. What would it look like over this season to be personally renewed by God the Holy Spirit? in your inner world? What would it be like to have first love and new affection for Jesus? What would it be like to have him build you up in your most holy faith? What would it be like to have him open your eyes once again to the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of his love to renew you so that others are renewed? What would it be like for you to be an agent of renewal to those that are around you, to speak words of life, both um, in private, in prayer, and in public as you encourage and you exhort and you build up? Father, we know that you have good works prepared in advance for each of us. We don't want to just try to grit our teeth and bear this season, but we want to take up the invitation of the season to arise and shine. Please cause your spirit to cause us to come alive to the reality that we belong to you, we're made for you, and we're made to display you. Fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith this morning. I pray that there would be good news of great joy that wells up in each and every heart and soul. I pray that you would draw our hearts upward. I pray in particular for those that are suffering, for whom despair feels more normal than rejoicing, that they would hear your voice calling them to arise and to shine even in the midst of a gloomy world of darkness and despair. Lord, we love you. We trust you. Manifest your presence and your glory and your goodness among us as we adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.